Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. And this is the week that Chopping Wood, Shaping Metal, and Other Erotic Stories has come out. Um, If you are hearing this between March 8th 8th and March 15th, it is on sale as a Kindle book on all Amazon outlets for 99 cents, 99 pence, or the equivalent. Um, It won't be on sale for that again. I'm doing this so that I can get some reviews in. So grab yourself a copy as quick as you can. Also, if you review this podcast and you're one of the first three to review, you will receive a limited edition hardback version of this book. So get reviewing, please. I read some stories from here last week, and I'm going to read from here again this week. And the first story I'm going to read is called Stalking 2020. The house is dark and somewhat cold when I startle awake. I take a few minutes before getting out of bed. I cannot figure out what woke me. I get out of bed and wrap my red cashmere robe tightly around me. I slowly walk through the house and out the back door into the garden. I shine my torch around, but all I see are the sleeping chickens in their run. I walk up the garden to the outbuildings, but no one is there. The hair on my body is standing up. Goosebumps appear on my arms, legs, and across my chest. I walk quickly back to the house. Close and lock the door. I walk around the house, checking all the windows, doors, and unlocking and relocking them, walking the perimeter as I used to do when the PTSD was strongest. One circuit, two, three. I stop myself and put myself back in bed. I turn on the television, strip off my robe, and then slide between the sheets. Eventually, I fall into a fitful sleep. The morning is cold and gray. I dress warmly in black jeans, deep red cashmere jumper, leather coat, and leather gloves. I wind a colorful scarf around my head and neck. Sliding into my red Doc Martens, I grab my mask, sanitizer, bag, and keys, and I'm off into town. There is a freezing fog making the drive to the station treacherous. It looks beautiful hanging over the fields. I get to the station car park and find a space. I'm heading into London to meet Ty for lunch and a bit of shopping. We haven't seen each other for a while with the pandemic, and I am looking forward to hearing all about her new love. Shopping since the pandemic has changed drastically. I still have not adjusted to the new normal. I have only been once since March, and that was fun but an extremely strange experience. 
I head into the station and get my ticket. Down on the platform, the hair rises on my body again. I feel eyes on the back of my neck. I turn quickly to try to see who is watching me, but I see no one there. I am unnerved. Breathe, I think, and slowly count my breaths in for five beats, out for five beats, until my pulse returns to normal and the hair on my body settles. I look around the platform at the people awaiting this train. We are all spread out, avoiding each other for fear of catching the plague. This is my first train journey since March, and I almost decided to drive in. I catch a glimpse of someone in a leather jacket and jeans. There are two women whose bags I covet, another woman whose dress I covet, and a third woman who I simply covet. She is lush, full breasts, round ass, and a medium waist with thick black hair bound into a long braid. Her coffee skin lightly freckled and her hazel eyes sparkling. She meets my eyes, grins, and I blush, realizing I've been staring. The train arrives. I take a seat in the first-class carriage. The train is so empty. I have never been on a close-to-rush-hour train where people weren't in all the seats and standing next to me. The lush woman sits in the next allowed seat. I can smell her perfume, wood mixed with spice and a tuberose top note. She is intoxicating. She smiles at me and goes back to reading her book. I find it difficult to concentrate and spend the rest of the, the ride enjoying her, feeling her heat and inhaling her scent. She gets off the train at London Bridge, slipping her card into my bag as she leaves and blows me a kiss. I flush a claret red. On her card she is written, Call me lovely. Her scent lingers on the card. I get off the train still thinking about the luscious woman and wondering if I will have the courage to call. I walk out of the station heading towards the taxi rank. I see a driver in full livery holding up a sign with my name on it. Surprised, I wonder when Ty organized this and how long the driver had been waiting. I'm distracted and I don't pay too much attention to the driver. He opens the door for me and I thank him and climb into the car, enjoying the smell of the leather seats. I get comfortable, lean back, and close my eyes as he starts to drive. The driver turns the music up, an eclectic mix of stocking music. I lean back and close my eyes. I fall asleep as we drive through London. I awake with a start when the car stops. It is then I notice how dark the windows are and how little I can see out. The driver opens the door and helps me out of the car. We've arrived at a large Victorian home. I'm confused, but before I can ask any questions, the driver returns to his car and drives away. The hair on my body has risen again. All of my senses are on edge as I walk up the three stairs to the front door. I lift the great brass knocker in the shape of a lion's head. The door opens slowly, creaking like a, an old horror movie. I walk in tentatively. Hello, I say, feeling as though I'm in a low-budget film. I walk 50 more yards and hear the door slam behind me. I jump and I hear a chuckle. I look towards the sound, but I don't see anyone. I enter an old-fashioned library, beautiful solid oak shelves filled with books, hardbound, leather-bound, soft cover. Some are clearly very old, and others modern. There are library steps. I am in seventh heaven. I love libraries, and I love library steps. The smell is of old leather, slightly musty, and fine cigars. There are two overstuffed blood-red leather chairs, each with an ottoman in front. The reading lamps are old banker-style lamps. 
There's an open fireplace on the south wall emanating a comforting heat. There's no one in the room. I begin to look at the books. The first one I pull out is a first edition hardcover copy of Nine and a Half Weeks. The next, a leather-bound illustrated edition of the story of O. I look more closely at these shelves. There is erotica of every genre from every era. Mama Vi would love this place, I muse as I continue to examine the collection. I become so engrossed in exploring I forget to wonder why I am here, in the midst of reading one of Zan West's stories when I feel breath on my neck. I startle, dropping the book and turn quickly around. You smile at my jumpiness. Anxious, you ask quietly. What am I doing here, I reply, unwilling to admit anxiety at this stage. Answer me, you say. Yes, I'm anxious, I say with a strident tone, wondering why I'm answering you at all. I did not ask to be brought here. I'm supposed to be having a girl's afternoon with Ty. I'm in a strange home with an intensely hot butch invading my personal space. My stomach is turning, my hands are shaking, my mouth has gone dry, and my cunt is soaked. The hair continues to stand up on my body. My initial response is primal, fight or flight, and I am desperate to flee. The moment before the adrenaline fully kicks in is a moment in which I am frozen to the spot. You walk slowly around me, taking your time to look at me. The first circle allows me a modicum of personal space. The second time around, you're closer, and by the third time, you're damn near on top of me. I can feel your eyes holding me as though I were one of those butterflies pinned into a young boy's collection. Strip, you command. I am about to argue when I feel the look in your eyes daring me to do just that. Instead, I slowly remove my clothing. I'm not trying to be sensual, as I am much too anxious, but somehow, taking my time, it becomes a sensuous strip. I turn my back to you as I remove my jumper and trousers. I turn back to face you and kick off my boots. I slowly remove my bra and finally my pants. You remain impassive, though I can feel the heat coming off you in waves. My breathing is shallow, my pulse racing. As I stare at you, a challenging look in my eyes, my mind is screaming, Wrong! Don't challenge! Show deference! A tremor runs through my body, but I continue to meet your gaze. After some minutes, I lower my eyes. You chuckle. As you examine me, I feel as though someone is pushing down on my shoulders until I slot to my knees. I'm surprised to find myself there, kneeling at your feet. You press your foot in between my thighs and spread them further. A gasp escapes my lip. You continue to walk around me. The first strike comes as a complete shock. You leave a handprint on my face. The sound like a crack of thunder in my ears. The second strike comes quickly on the heels of the first, slapping my head back, leaving the imprint of your fingers on the other side of my face. I remain on my knees, shocked. Your boots appear before my face again. You press my head to your boots, and I know what you expect. I kiss your boots. What starts as a perfunctory act becomes an act performed with desire and devotion, an unexpected act of worship. You move to one of the chairs and settle into it. I stay with my head to the floor. I hear the rustle and clink of chains. Tremors move through my body, but I do not move. I remember being in the woods with Stuart when I was twelve. He had a net he used to catch butterflies and sometimes dragonflies. 
Sometimes he would chase them and swoop down with his net, snaring the creature. He would examine what he caught, and if it was an interesting specimen, that's how he used to say it, he would put it in a jar to take home and pin into his collection. If it was not of interest, he would unwind the net and tap it until the insect flew free. Other times, Stuart would stand stock still and hold out his net. He would wait for the butterflies or dragonflies to enter the net and then quickly trap them. Still other times, he would walk quietly, stalking the flying beauties until he was close enough to pounce. Stuart took me home with him to show me his collection. His eyes lit up as he spoke about the collection, his cheeks turned pink, and he would lick his lips. His excitement animated his whole body. I remember feeling weak and dizzy as I looked at the collection, the insects pinned in neat rows. When I went home that night, I rubbed myself off to thoughts of being stalked and caught, just like those butterflies. Here in this room, I am caught in your net. I wonder if I will be thought an interesting specimen, and you will want to keep me, or if I will be found unworthy and set free. I hear you rise. You walk around me again taking in the measure of my breathing, the trickle of sweat between my shoulder blades, the tremor that moves through my flesh as you get closer. I wonder how it was that I missed the net. My hypervigilance usually serves me. This time it only served to confuse. Too much information meant that I missed the more subtle clues. After all, butterfly nets are sheer and can be difficult to see. Your hands on my left ankle bring me to quick awareness. The steel ring is cold and heavy. The chain attached to its sturdy, though not too unwieldy. The steel of the wrist restraints is frigid, and I wonder where you've been keeping them. You bind my wrist together in front of me, allowing about a foot of chain in between so I can maneuver a bit. The tremors through my body are stronger. My nipples have turned into rubies, hard and deep red. My cunt continues to drip. I alternate between burning and freezing, my temperature illustrated in the color change that moves over my body. You're standing in front of me. My face is still to the floor. Those damn boots are in my face again, and I can't resist the urge to cover them with kisses. I'm sure I've never done this before and watch myself in awe, wondering what the hell has come over me. I'm caught, and I cannot figure out how that happened. I feel vulnerable and raw and desperate for release. You raise my head and look into my eyes. I kiss your hands as they pass my lips. I couldn't speak if you asked me to at this moment. All words have left me. My hunger consumes me. I'm panting, breasts quivering with each short breath, as you watch my nipples tighten again until they're sharp ruby points. Standing in front of me, the outline of your cock is the eye level. Gods, I want to suck you so badly, but I cannot even speak. You have my hair and pull my face to you. Your trousers against my face are rough and comforting in their roughness. I can smell your arousal through your trousers, and I moan with need. You let go of my hair and move to sit on the chair again. The chain pulls as you step back, the sound of the links musical. As you pull the chain towards you, I have no choice but to crawl towards you. I whimper as I crawl, more from the humiliation than from any pain. You're watching me carefully. Your gaze singes my skin and burns through to my soul. There are some rules, you say. We will go over them. When I finish, you will have a choice. Leave or consent to do as I say. You will only be asked once. Yes, sir, I whisper. 
You're talking about respect and deference, taking care with how I speak, how I look, looking to your needs, always considering what you might want before making choices. Valuing my mind and skills as tools you can use. Part of me is shouting. No, I am independent and I will remain independent, while the rest of me feels as though I can finally let out the breath I've been holding in for years. I can breathe. As long as I follow your rules, I will be able to breathe and feel. When you finish, you simply say, choose. I lift my head, clearly looking in your eyes, and say softly but clearly, I wish to stay. I have taken in deep breath. I hold it while you consider what I have said, praying that I will be found worthy. You smile. Good girl, you say as you stand up. You bend me over the leather ottoman, secure the ankle chain to the heavy oversized floor lamp in the corner, and leave my hands secured together. You leave the room. I am plunged into terror. I don't know who else is here. I don't know fully where I am. I fear the silence in the room. I fear who else will be here and who might see me in this condition, naked and bound to an ottoman. I wait quietly, breathing, to control my fear. I have goosebumps all over my body. Suddenly there's music. It's dark with a penetrating beat. The acoustics in the room cause it to sound like it comes from a cavern. It rises out of the air. I always find that disconcerting. The first strike of the crop catches my left ass cheek slightly off center. I groan softly. The second strike lands right next to the first. The next few strikes continue the line down my ass cheek. They land quickly and with medium force. I yelp, and as you continue to strike my ass, my thighs, I moan. I lose count before you stop. My body is covered in a sheen of sweat. I pant, quick, shallow breaths. You're in front of me, undoing the bindings, securing me to the ottoman. Turn over, you rasp. I comply, and you bind me on my back over the ottoman. You place my head on a couple of big, firm pillows to give me some support. I'm still somewhat bent, so not able to truly watch you except when you are behind my head. The first trike of the dragon tail lands on my belly. I squeal at the sting and the heat. You begin slowly, striking with precision, my breasts, my belly, and then my inner thighs. Wildfire spreads over my body as the strikes build upon each other. Tears stream down my face as you hit harder and faster. You abandon the dragon tra tail for your hands, slapping, hitting, and pinching. This is harder to manage without sobbing. You hit faster and harder, smacking my pussy now until I'm wailing. The pressure is intense. Gods, I beg with seemingly no volition, the words being dragged from my core. Please, please, oh, sir, please. Please what, girl? What do you need? I can hear the passion in your voice. Please, sir, please, let me come, I cry. The fire has reached my chest and is moving up my back. Soon it will completely engulf me. I am suspended in this moment of need, knowing that it belongs to you, just as all moments belong to you. You bite my breast, gnawing on that vein that crosses above my nipple. Now... Come now, you command, and continue to gnaw on my breasts as the flames engulf me, my orgasm burning, melting until I disappear, form dissolving in the flames. 
you gnaw, chew, suck at my breasts, marking them clearly. You bite down my belly, leaving a string of marks. You bite on my mons until I screech. I want to push up into your mouth, and I want to pull away at the same time. You bite in that junction between thigh and cunt, that sweet spot which will continue to remind me for weeks after of your pleasure. Bites there linger, and the pain lingers far longer than bites in some other places. You remove the bonds, chaining my hands together in front of me. You grab my head and pull it towards your dick. I open my mouth wide, determined to take as much of you as I can. I wonder if this is your biggest dick or if I'll have to learn to take even more. I hope it is the biggest, as I'm having trouble swallowing you. You push back into my throat. I suck hard, running my tongue where I can, until you take full control of the pace. You will take what you want. You are fucking my throat, fast and hard, almost to the point of completely controlling my breathing. I struggle to avoid choking. Your hands are in my hair, pulling as you push into my throat. Tears leak from my eyes as you pound into my throat. I want so badly to feel you come as you fuck my throat. You fuck me faster, hands tangled in my hair, moving my head where you want it. You pull me to you, grinding into my throat, groaning as you come. Tears course down my cheeks as you pull out of my throat. All that can be heard in the room is our ragged breathing. You stretch out on the plush carpet on your back, pulling my head to your chest, and we lie quietly while you stroke my hair. No thought, no analysis, pure contentment. I am centered in the moment, knowing where I am meant to be at this precise point in time. I wake up with a start, having drifted off. I'm alone, hands-free, ankles still chained to the large, heavy floor lamp. I sit up slowly, listening for clues as to where you might be. I'm hungry, thirsty, and I need to pee. I get up and start to explore the lengths of my chain. There are two doors in this library, one on the east. I came in that one. The second on the north side of the room. My chain is long enough to reach the north doorway. I walk slowly, trying to work the stiffness out of my muscles and get the measure of the chain. The sound of the links tinkling and dragging along the floor makes me shiver. I open the door and move out into the ornate hall. I reach the first door and discover it's a bathroom. I sigh in relief that I will be able to relieve myself without asking for permission. I would find it so embarrassing to have to ask, but more than that, having to wait when I really need to pee is really difficult. I get into the bathroom but realize I cannot completely shut the door on the chain. My cheeks turn pink, that I can be heard and that anyone can walk in. Sweet relief to be able to pee. I wash my hands and face, use a finger to brush my teeth with some toothpaste I find. I cannot get into the shower still chained, so I simply top and tail with a washcloth. When I walk out of the loo, I feel refreshed. My chain is almost at its limit, so I return to the library. I return to the shelves and find the book I was reading. You arrive to find me in one of the leather armchairs reading erotica. I look out as you approach. You are almost silent on your feet, but the air crackles around you. The energy in the room shifts. I feel as though a storm is coming. I can almost smell the thunder and lightning. Should I stay in the chair or sink to my knees? The bullshy girl in me wants to stay where I am, but the slave at my core needs to sink to my knees. I'm on my knees by the time you reach the chair. I bend to kiss your feet. You let me stay there, head to your feet, for what seems an eternity, and in reality is only a moment or two. You lift my head, thumb on my carotid, stroking as you examine my expression. Are you hungry, you ask. Yes, sir, I reply. You open the chain and take it off the lamp, wrapping the loose end around your fist. 
On your knees, then, you say. The look of terror on my face makes you chuckle. You don't have to ask twice. I drop to my hands and knees and follow as you lead me into the kitchen. You help me rise and show me around this large country kitchen. The larder is fully stocked. This morning I'll cook. You can tidy up after, you say, and then chain me to the table leg. Sit comfortably, you say, as you begin to create breakfast. The sizzle and scent of the bacon draws a moan from my throat. It's been some time since I was treated to crisp bacon. My mouth floods with saliva. I watch as you take berries out of the fridge and chop them. I shiver at the sound of the knife on the cutting board. You look up, capturing me all over. The butterflies in my stomach overtake me, and I'm trembling, the links of the chain betraying my state. The food is ready, and smells remind me that I am ravenous. I'm going to let you feed yourself, you say, and I find myself pouting. You don't invite me to move, however, and place my plate on the floor next to me along with silverware and a cloth napkin. I wait until you nod at me and then dig in. The food is divine. The bacon is perfect, crisp, and full of flavor. The pancakes are golden brown, loaded with berries, and the taste of pure Canadian maple syrup is the perfect compliment. Baking grease lands on my chest. As I go to wipe it off, you stay my hand. I will get to that, you say, setting me trembling. Syrup lands on my nipple. This time, I simply leave it. When we finish eating, I rise to take our plates to the kitchen and begin to clean up. You pull me to you, slowly licking the bacon and syrup from my breast, your teeth scraping my nipple. I moan as my knees begin to buckle. You bite down hard and begin to suck. My moans turn to wordless pleading. My own syrup heating and running to soak my pussy lips. You feel the scar tissue from my healed piercing. I bet the nipple piercings looked good. Yes, sir, I reply. Why are they gone? They didn't settle well, I reply. Hmm, you grunt, and I'm unsure what to make of that sound. You let me go, and I set to cleaning the kitchen and putting everything away. I feel you watching me as I work, and I'm more clumsy than I would like to be. I manage not to break anything and finish. I come out of the kitchen and kneel at your feet. You take me through to the playroom. The room is fully kitted out with a range of bondage and whipping furniture. My eyes widen as I notice the range of torture implements on the wall. Go get the tool you wish to be beaten with and bring it back to me. I panic. The butterflies spinning in my stomach. I realize if I wait too long it will be worse and I make myself move. I cross the floor slowly. Do I choose something that I like? Do I choose something I believe you will like? Do I choose something that fills me with fear and desire? I run my hands over the various crops. I move on to the quirt and the cat, shivering as I touch them. I can feel your eyes burning into my back as you watch me move around the room. I get to the paddles and tremors run through my body. Then the straps, the smell of the leather, makes my knees weak. There's a selection of shambox next. Now my knees buckle. I pick up a black one of medium thickness, running it through my hands. I take it with me to the next display. Two dragon tails, a signal whip, and a leather taws. I pick up the purple dragon's tail and bring it with me. Come back to the center of the room and kneel at your feet, offering you the shambok and the dragon's tail. The tremors run through my body so strongly I fear I will break apart. You help me up onto the spanking horse. You're about to secure my arms and legs with straps. You pause. Can you lie still without being restrained? I bite my lower lip and then say, Yes, sir, I think so. 
You arrange my limbs as you wish, saying, don't move. I become aware of the music for the first time, the insistent rhythm pounding in my blood. You start with the shambok, first strikes landing on the center of my ass, causing me to scream. I manage to stay in position, breathing hard. My instinct is to run. I override this and stay still. The next five blows land on my thighs, each one welting and bruising. I begin to sob. The shambok is a wicked, evil torture instrument and wielded by someone with your power and sadistic glee, it's almost diabolical. The strikes fall on my back now, knocking the wind out of me. Tears cover my cheeks and begin to drip off my nose. I'm wailing as you begin to strike the backs of my arms. The tip of the shambok cuts. You move to strike my calves and then the bottom of my feet. I'm struggling desperately to stay in position for you. The pain is excruciating and has not yet morphed into the pain that gets me high. I'm enduring, holding tight to my agreement with you. Just when I think I can stand no more, you stop beating me. You move in between my legs, running your hands over the welts, bruises, scratching them, pinching them, tapping on them. Each time you cause a fresh rush of tears. Your hands on my ass make me shudder. You reach between my legs, scoop up some of the thick sap that is collected in my pussy. Feed me my own juice while I moan around your fingers. You step back. Turn over, you say, your voice velvet over steel. I am face up now, legs spread, cunt exposed. You pick up the dragon tail, watching while I shudder. The first touch of the tail is on my inner thigh, a quick sting, then a scrape. The second on the other thigh causes me to jump. Don't move. A flick of the tail lands on my mons. A rain of hail lands on my outer pussy lips. Lashes land on my stomachs, welting with little spots of blood immediately. The expression on your face is one of pure delight. You pepper my breasts with welts, blood drops now instead of spots. You start striking with more power, whipping my thighs and my tits until I'm sobbing. Then somewhere as the blows fall, the pain turns and I'm moaning. As you strike my nipples, I hear myself begging. Please, 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 sir, please fuck me, sir. Please, gods, I need, please. You're between my legs, flicking the tip of the tail on my pussy lips. Please, fuck me, sir, please. You press your dick slowly into my sopping cunt. My hips rise to meet you, and you shake your head. No. Don't move, you warn. I struggle to stay still as you stroke into me. First short, teasing strokes, then deep strokes pounding into my cervix. You pinch my left nipple between your fingers and squeeze as you fuck me, watching the flush rise over my chest. What do you need, slut? You ask as you keep pounding my pussy. Please, sir, I need to come, please. Come then, you reply. I come screaming with release, trying ever so hard not to move. You continue to pound into me, chasing your own orgasm. You can move, you bite out. I move to meet each thrust, legs wrapped round you until you can lean down and bite my chest as you find your release. You pull slowly from my molten core, sweat dripping on my chest, so completely sexy. I cannot stop watching you. You catch my gaze and watch the new blush rise, chuckling. Off to the showers, you say, leading me out and into the large wet room. The room is the size of a typical British double bedroom. There's a claw-footed tub for two. Half the room houses a shower with two shower heads and multiple jets. When they're all turned on, the sensation is of that, that being surrounded by pounding water, an upright whirlpool bath. 
There are heated towel racks and huge, soft, plush towels. There's a door to an attached room that houses an adjustable massage bed. It's oval-shaped, four and a half feet wide and six feet long. Sir, would you like a massage? Yes, girl. I'll start on your front first, I say. Help you lie down on your back. I switch on a relaxation mix and peruse the oils in the bamboo cabinet. There are a few massage oil bases, Jehovah, rapeseed, arnica, almond, and calendula. These are arranged in four-ounce bottles. I choose the arnica for sore and tired muscles. There are over a hundred essential oils in a quart, in quarter dram bottles to add to the bases. I choose vetiver and lime for relaxation with a boost. I begin with your feet, working oil into the soles, massaging the soles, the tops, each toe using medium to deep pressure. I move to your calves, working out the knots as I go, onto your quads, working to get in deep. You groan as I work the sore spots. I move to your stomach, clockwise circles, and then onto your chest, working the oil into your pecs using the palms of my hands first and then my fingers to work more deeply. I've entered fully into the massage, strong, fluid motions, my body weight working to add strength. I work down each arm, spending extra time on sore biceps and triceps. I work your shoulders and the back of your neck from the front, slowly until you finally begin to loosen. I move your face and head. The oil, now warm, smells heady mixed with your own scent. I spend a long time on your head until I can feel you begin to drift. I don't want to disturb you, but it's time to work on your back. Sir, I whisper in your ear, it's time to turn over. It takes a moment until you register the meaning of the words I'm saying. You turn slowly, placing your face in the hole, allowing the padding around your head to support your weight. I move to work on the back of your neck. I work carefully and thoroughly, isolating each knot. You groan. Good. As I keep working, I move and begin to work the trapezius muscle where so much stress is stored. I spend a long time until I finally feel it release. Move further down your back, taking my time, muscle by muscle. When I get to your ass, I groan as I work the oil into both cheeks. I'm not sure I can keep from drooling. My cunt is dripping my nipples tight and raw. I refocus and continue to work until I feel the muscles release. I move to the hamstrings and then your calves, finishing with your feet. By the time I am done, you are almost asleep. I dim the lights even further and sit down at the foot of the couch. The chain clinks lightly as I work to get comfortable. We both relish the time to rest. After a while, you wake, gather up the chain, and gently shake me. Time to get up, you say. I open my eyes, stretch, and then slowly rise. You lead me on the chain into the shower room and start it going. A steam begins to feel the room as we both walk in. We're both tired, take the time to wash thoroughly and enjoy the jets. The silence is delectable. You pull me to you and begin to wash my hair. You take the time to massage my head as you lather my hair. I moan with pleasure as, the wor- as you work the conditioner into the roots. You hold my head back, palm on my forehead so the conditioner stays away from my eyes. The water flowing over me and down my back is exquisite. We wrap up in warm, fluffy towels and leave the bathroom. During this whole time, the chain has not left my leg. I'm sure I would feel strange without its weight. I've lost all track of time outside this house. Aware that my stomach is empty, I ask, Sir, would you like me to fix you something to eat? Yes, slut. You reply and lead me back to the kitchen. What do you fancy, sir? I ask, and you laugh at my choice of phrases. Surprise me. 
you reply, which sets me to trembling. I look in the extra-large fridge, assessing the provisions. I stick my head in the larder to see what else you stock. I'm torn between adventurous and comfort food. Having looked through the provisions, I choose comfort and set to making lasagna. As the ground steak is browning in the pan, I prepare you some coffee and offer it to you from my knees. You take it, stroking my hair briefly. I head back into the kitchen and continue cooking while you relax with your coffee. After 20 minutes, the lasagna goes into the oven for final cooking. I tidy up the kitchen while the lasagna is baking. The smell of the roast garlic, tomato, and cheese is enticing. I come to sit at your feet during the last 10 minutes of cooking. I head to the kitchen to ditch up the food. Fix two plates, you say. Yes, sir. I load the plates with lasagna, garlic bread, and salad. Bring them to the table and then return to pour you a drink. Single malt with a jug of water on the side. Pour one for yourself. Thank you, sir. I bring the drinks to the table and stand awaiting your word. You seat me opposite you and then begin eating. The food is tasty and filling. We say little as we eat. I don't realize the extent of my hunger until I begin to eat and it's not long before I've cleared my plate. When you have finished, I take the plates to the kitchen and place them in the dishwasher. I put the finishing touches on the strawberry shortcake I've made and bring the cake and knife to the table. There's a bowl of melted chocolate to use for topping. You cut us each a piece and dribble the chocolate over the top. The confection is divine, causing me to sigh with pleasure. You retire to the lounge with cigar and your scotch. When I finish tidying up, I move to sit at your feet. We watch the sprites in the fire as it crackles. Some time later, you announce it's time for bed. You attach the chain to the post of the bed. I climb into bed next to you and work hard to settle to sleep. Before I know it, I've drifted off. I awake on my own, still chained to this bed. My muscles are sore, pussy aching. I stretch for a few minutes and then head off to the bathroom. Having completed my ablutions, I set out to see what the length of this chain is now. I pass two rooms and am standing looking at the art on the wall when you catch me, arm around my throat, pulling me backward and quickly putting the hood over my head. I scream. I cannot help it. I'm petrified of hoods. Quiet, you whisper, and I'm left whimpering. The hood is thick, soft leather, elk maybe. The smell of the leather is earthy and somewhat intoxicating. The hood dampens sound as well as smell and, of course, totally obscures sight. I continue to whimper, my whole body shaking. Don't panic, you say quietly, your arms still around my throat. Panicking will only cause you to hurt yourself. Yes, sir, I say, but my voice sounds muffled and full of fear. I tell myself to breathe slowly, in for five breaths and out for five breaths. Your arm tightens around my throat, cutting off my breathing for seconds that feel like minutes. A gush of nectar runs onto my thighs. I hear you chuckle, but only barely. You let me go suddenly and lead me down the hall. Walk carefully, you say. There are four steps down, then ten, a landing ten steps across, then another three steps down. When you reach the bottom, the post is five steps in front of you. Go kneel there and await me. I want to protest to tell you I cannot do this. Instead, I say, yes, sir, and slowly begin to make my way down the steps. I reach the landing without falling. I feel a breeze on my naked body raising goosebumps on my skin. I reach up with my hands and touch the hood, feeling the butter-soft leather under my fingers. 
I feel the chain around my neck and the lock that keeps the hood on. I slowly move forward and almost fall down the second set of stairs when I lose count of my steps. I catch my balance back, however, and just land a bit hard on my feet when I reach the bottom stair. I walk slowly to the post, thick as an old oak tree. It's thick enough that I cannot get my arms around it. I kneel at the foot and wait. I do not know how much time you leave me here to wait, and whether or not you can see me as I do. I experience waves of emotion while I wait. I start with simple fear, which morphs into panic and then to terror. There are no thoughts that go with these emotions. They are a response to being hooded. I experience excitement and arousal, also a response to being hooded. I can hear nothing from outside this space. I can smell nothing from outside this space. I feel the air on my skin keeping the goosebumps alive. After an eternity, or perhaps only a few minutes, you say, rise. I stand up and you turn me to face the pole. I'm going to beat you. You're going to count out the strikes. If you lose count, I will start again. I'm going to give you 100 lashes. You will thank me for each one and ask for the next one. This will allow you a small amount of control of the pace so that you can keep your breath. Should I feel you are abusing this privilege, I will simply deliver the strokes at a pace I choose. So beware of counting too slowly or too quickly. Do you understand? You ask. Yes, sir. I reply and my voice cracks as I do. It would be hard enough to manage a hundred lashes with whatever instrument you chose had I my vision, my clear hearing, and a clear sense of smell. To do so while hooded is petrifying as none of the things I am almost unconsciously do to manage a beating of this intensity are at my disposal. Somehow being able to discover what tool is being used helps me cope. Stripped of some of my coping strategies highlights the myriad ways in which I am out of control. The first lash surprises me. It feels like you're using a belt. I count. One, thank you, sir. Another, please. With little pause between my thanks and asking for the next. Strikes two through ten land on my ass in horizontal stripes. You're hitting me about one per second. I drum with each strike. Tears begin to fill my eyes. Strikes eleven through twenty land on the back of my thighs as horizontal stripes. You're still hitting me about once per second. The pain has caused the release of endorphins and I'm a bit high. My adrenaline levels are still very high and the combination is exquisite. You turn me round on the pole. Lashes 21 through 40 fall at one per half second, staring at my chest, starting at my chest over my tits and then down my thighs to my knees. Again, you lay these at horizontal stripes. I'm now finding it difficult to manage the pain. I scream the count, my thanks and my request for the next strike. You spread my legs by kicking them apart. Lashes 41 to 50 land on my inner thighs. I wail as I feel the bite of the leather, knowing the welt will rise and swell and that it will be hard to put my legs together for at least a week. These welts layer on top of each other. I take a couple of seconds during this series to ask for the next stripe, sobbing and finding it hard to catch my breath. 51, thank you, sir. Oh, please, I can't. Next one, please, sir. I wail, beginning to dance from foot to foot. This strike cuts into the sensitive flesh at the top of my left inner thigh, where my tattooed braid winds round my leg. It feels as though you've drawn blood. 52 lands at the same depth, same intensity on my right thigh. 
For 53 to 60, you alternate between my thighs, kicking my legs apart further as I try to close them, growling at me to open my legs and endure. After strike 60, you run your hands over my body, squeezing the welted flesh, feeling the burning heat, gathering up drops of blood on your fingers. The relative gentleness of your touch causes me to sob anew. You turn me back to face the pole. Lashes 61 through 80 land at one per every two seconds. You use the dragon's tail to lash across my back from shoulders down over my ass to my thighs and wind up with three on my calves. The dragon's tail lands on top of the welts from the belt, opening some of them up, making some of them swell and abrades others. My knees begin to buckle, but I hold to the pole. Cold water hits my back, causing me to scream. I feel the rivulets run down my body. Only 20 more, slut. You can do it. Yes, sir, I moan. You turn me round so my back is to the pole again. 81 to 95, the dragon's tail lands on my breasts and renders my nipples bright red and raw. The dragon's tail rakes across my thighs. I am shrieking. My clit is throbbing. You can choose where the last five strikes will land. I will hit you even harder than I have so far choose now. 96 on my left breast, 97 on my right breast, 98 on my left inner thigh, 99 on my right inner thigh, and 100 on my mons, please, sir, I say, voicing, shaking, but clear. Good, you reply. The last five strokes are harder than the previous ones. My voice is raw from screaming. I collapse onto the pole after the final lash. You quickly release me so my full weight does not stay on my wrists. You lower me gently to the ground. Everywhere your hands touch my body, everywhere my body touches the ground, hurts. I wince as you move your hands over my welts, examining all the places where my skin is broken, and blood oozes or runs from the cuts. Deftly you clean each cut, causing new pain as the antiseptic does its work. You slather antibiotic cream over my body. When you're finished, you gently remove the hood. My face is soaked from tears, my eyes swollen and puffy, my lips are raw. You kiss me, biting at my lips until they're swollen. You take my breath, I shudder in your arms. Now you look completely ravaged, you say. Thank you, sir, is all I can say. After a time, you help me upstairs, wrap a light silk blanket around me, placing me on a plush sofa. You come sit with me, stroking me absently, while you watch the fire. Don't forget, we're still running a, running a fundraiser to create a membership site with virtual safe space. There will be forums for support, uh, peer support, also forums for social interaction. There will be self-guided education and uh, live education that is guided by trusted professionals and experts in their areas of sex, relationships, sexuality, and also trauma. We'll also run live events there. Um, We're motivated to do this because of all the censorship going on on social media platforms that makes it very difficult for people to get the information that they need in a timely fashion and consistently. Why, just today, I had my post on this new book taken down from a private Facebook group saying it's not the kind of thing I'm allowed to put in the Facebook marketplace. Well, I didn't put it in the Facebook marketplace. I put it in a private group. 
I uh, appealed this and I lost the appeal because as far as they're concerned, I'm selling sexual services. The last I looked, I was selling a book, not sexual services. But apparently, Facebook doesn't think it's okay for you to get aroused. So please, consider donating. My crowdfunding is um, called called Create a Website with a Virtual Safe Space. Um, if you put in crowdfunder.co.uk, uh, Lori Beth Bisbee, you should be able to find it. Um, there are also links uh, in the private Facebook group. And that's where you should join if you want information first on what's going on. And that is uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's membership group. Now, um, we need the, We still have the membership group on Facebook because we don't have the website built yet. So watch this space. Also, save the date for the 2nd of April because we are running a virtual play party and we're not running it on Zoom. We're running in an environment where you are able to move from space to space. We're doing this as a fundraiser for the website and it will be a tenor to get in, but there will be games and activities that you will need to contribute to. So we're going to have Kinky Bingo, which is going to be five for three cards. Uh, we'll have Ask Me Anything. We're going to have Direct the Dom. Um, you'll get the opportunity to see a number of different styles of play and to participate by directing and um, also see demonstrations of a variety of things. I know there's going to be a demonstration of needle play as well. Um, there's going to be a treasure hunt, two truths and a lie, and there will even be somebody reading tarot. It should be a lot of fun. Look out for this. If you go to drloribethbisbee.com, the link will be up on, to buy tickets, will be up on the website um, by the time you hear this podcast. So please do go to the events page on drloribethbisbee.com and look for the 2nd of April play party and you can purchase your tickets then. We're really excited about this. We think you'll have a really good time. Um, it'll be far more like a party, the energy of a party than Zoom is because um, people have to be put in breakout rooms and stuff. You'll be able to control what you do and what you see at this party. So it should be grand. I look forward to seeing a whole bunch of you there. Uh, be safe until next week. And I look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drloribethbisbee.com and drloribethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at lori beth at drloribethbisbee.press. Have a great week. <laughs>